You're listening to Girls Gone Wild. This is Joy. And this is Claire. And I'm really excited. I like wanted to cry when you answered the phone because I was like, it's Claire. She's back. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I'm not pregnant anymore. (laughs) Well, this is episode 122. And I think in the last episode we recorded, I was like, okay, the next episode, you have to have had this baby. Yeah. And here we are. Here we are. I did. And you you might hear him. He's making little noises. Yeah. Brandon's sitting next to me with him on his lap. And it's pretty cute. They like to snuggle. And Brandon has really long femurs, like really long femurs. And so he can just like put Miles on his legs and they just sit there. I can't do that. His My femurs are not long enough and they like, his head like flops off the end of my knees. Yeah. So yeah. it's like a little built-in prop. Totally. He's just mm-hmm. propped up. Yeah, it's pretty great. So how are you feeling, Claire Bear? Um, pretty good. It's not as, I don't know. Like I don't want to say it's not as hard as I thought it was going to be. It's just really different. So for those of you who did not see my post today, or I guess when you hear this, it'll be yesterday, on our Facebook, I wrote a pretty long blog post. Actually, it might have been two days ago. Yeah, it was two days about, ago. Uh, about my birth story, which was, um, I was in labor for about 36 hours, and it was just a pretty intense experience, but um, everybody is healthy and happy, and we came home from the hospital last Tuesday night. And it's just been like a time warp. Like I have no idea what day it is, clearly, because I just couldn't remember what day I posted that. I have like really no idea what time it is ever because I'm like awake randomly throughout the day and then asleep randomly throughout the day yeah, or awake randomly throughout the night. Yeah. So, but it's like, it's harder and easier. It's just so different than I thought it was going to be. It's just different. Yeah. So what did you expect? I don't know. Did you have expectations? I guess I kind of did. I wouldn't have said that I did, but now that it feels different, I have to admit that I must have had expectations under otherwise, like, what would I, what would it be different than? Mm -hmm. But I think I somehow expected it to be like a lot more lovey-dovey and I'm just not a lovey-dovey person. No, Claire, you've never been lovey-dovey. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. And so I don't know why I expect it to be lovey-dovey because like I'm not a lovey-dovey person, but I, everyone was like, oh, you're going to see me, you're going to fall in love and everything's going to change and you're going to love him like more than you ever knew was possible. And I, it just is different than that, I guess. Mm -hmm. Not that I don't love him, but but it's just We're sending you back. Yeah. (laughs) But it's just not like lovey-dovey. It's it's a lot more like intense than sure. I thought. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah, and he's just real cute. He's like the cutest thing ever. Oh, he's so cute. <laughs> I haven't told you this yet, but I have like <laughs> cravings to come over to your house every night and be like, I just want to hold him. I just want to <laughs> hold him. I go with your he's baby. So cute. I was over oh. there on Sunday and I held him for an hour and he just conked the f out. He was just. I'm like, I must be a really good holder. No, he just <laughs> sleeps really well. It was wasn't me but I just pretended that it was me he's so cute (laughs) he is pretty cute well you can come over whenever you want because I'm starting to get my back is starting to get really tired of holding him of holding him (laughs) I'm personally not getting tired of holding him but like tonight I was holding him and my my like rib cage was like cramping it's like you need to figure out a better way to do this so yeah everyone has been so great in supporting you and wondering about you yeah everyone on the all the podcast people i mean when when do we not when do we not have the best listeners ever yeah when are we not totally blown away by how amazing our listeners are everyone has been so freaking cute it's been fun so thanks for thanks for supporting my crazy our like you know kind of back and forth here a little bit but 
<sighs> it's been crazy. Yeah. The last week when I was recording that intro by myself, I was, it was so weird. I, I think I texted you this. It took me like 20 minutes just to record a yeah. two minute intro by myself. <laughs> I, was, I, I had to keep stopping and re-recording. I'm like, no, that sounds, nope, that sounds weird. Oh, ah, yeah. It's like when you like record your voicemail. Totally. Yeah. And you're like, why am I so stupid? And then like, nope. it was so weird. And I'm just like sitting here at the desk by myself. I'm like, oh, this isn't right. Right. nothing about this is right <laughs> so i'm yeah. glad to have you back and yeah. you know, well i mean you know you take as much time as you need you take as much time <laughs> i don't know i think pretty soon i'm gonna be like ready to get back out of the house i went out i was out of the house today for like a whole hour it was great we went on a walk mm-hmm. but like yesterday did not leave the house didn't even unlock the door until my friend came over and brought us some food at like eight o'clock at night and she came and she like knocked and the door was locked and i was like Oh, yeah. No, that's the first time I've opened that door today. (laughs) (laughs) Just laying around in your PJs and your bra. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The fact that I even have a bra on is a pretty big deal, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's probably as much as he eats. It's probably easier to just be naked all day. Oh, my God. It really is. Mm -hmm. I know. Well, when you visited me in the hospital, oh, because you brought me shorts. Otherwise, like, that was the only reason that I was wearing anything was because you literally brought clothes for me. Yeah. So you showed up and I'm pretty sure I just had those, like, mesh underwear. You did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm not... I don't know what to tell you about yeah, that. Yeah, you were like, um, all I brought was sweatpants or all that fits me right now. And yeah, that so was so you, stupid. You I brought, brought leggings. It was so dumb. You're like, can you go buy the biggest pair of boxers? And I'm like, are you sure? I'm thinking like, <laughs> you're so small, Claire. And so I was like, all right, that's what she wants. And then you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. <laughs> well, the problem is that I, I packed all these leggings that fit me while I was pregnant. And everyone was like, pack things that fit you when you're like, when you're like six months pregnant, because that's how big you're going to be. So I packed all these leggings, which had totally fit me, but I had neglected to realize the fact that I was going to be wearing the largest pad known to man. Yeah. So I was effectively wearing a diaper mm-hmm. and like, you can't wear a diaper with your leggings. It's no. just not, that's just uncomfortable. Yeah. So yeah. And then I also had some like, without getting into too many details, I had some like fluid redistribution there for a few days that made things kind of hard to fit <laughs> fluid redistribution yeah let's just let's we'll call it that yeah it's been weird that's the other thing like the, the last like i'm getting a lot better now but man last week was really hard physically and i was so ready i mean you know like how long have i been talking about like oh i'm just so excited now you're pregnant anymore i'm just so uncomfortable like and then the week the first week postpartum was awful like no Is one it? tells you that it's gonna be so awful <laughs> really what was awful about it it was, I was just in so much pain. Like, mm. I mean, the, a human came out of my badge. Yeah. That's just like, totally. It is. That was the first thing I think I said, and I apologize for that. I think that was the first thing I said to you when I came to the hospital. I pointed at him. I was like, that came out of your badge. That, well, that's fine because that's literally what I think every time I look at him, I'm like, oh my God, that whole thing was in my body. And it, well, when it, I was holding him on Sunday, you're like, look how big his head is. I'm like, it's not that big. You're like, that came out of my badge. <laughs> Like, well, when you put it that way. Yeah, it seems really a lot bigger when you think about it. My friend, my friend Melanie, you met her. She was talking about when she went to the birthing class. I hope they didn't do this with you. She said they actually like took a basketball and showed us like what was going to come through our vagina. And I'm like, why would they do that to you? Why would they do that? No, they did not do that to me. But they do have like a diagram when you first check in at the labor and delivery that shows you because they want you to be 10 centimeters dilated, which is like five inches almost. And it is like a diagram sitting there on the desk of like what 10 centimeters looks like so you're checking in just like staring at this diagram like oh my god (laughs) why why would he scare you like that 
That's a great question. They should at least move that into the back a little bit. So it's not like, welcome to labor and delivery. This is what's going to happen to you in the next few hours. Would you like us to go ahead and schedule your epidural now? Oh, well, I'm glad you're feeling better. So this week's a little bit better. Yeah. And so it was just like, I, at one point it was like two in the morning and I had, I got, my milk was coming in. So my boobs were super, super hard and sore and like so uncomfortable. And her boobs are hard as rocks. Yeah, it's exactly how I felt. My boobs are hard as rocks. And my lady bits were in so much pain. And so I just got in the bath. I put like two inches, like three inches of water in the bathtub, got a towel and like got it, like soaked it with hot water and just laid it on my chest. And so I'm sitting there and I was just like, and Brandon came in because Miles needed to eat or something. My alarm had gone off to feed him. And I just was like, just crying. Like, is this my life right now? Like <laughs> how many times in your adult life have, have has like going to the bathroom made you cry? Because that's, that's what my yes. life was like last week. <laughs> so I'm really glad that that part's over. After my milk came in, I was like, okay, like, unless I get like an infection or something, you know, knock on wood, that won't, that won't happen. Right. All of the pain, I'm, you know, I'm on the other side of yeah, everything. Yeah. So like, I'm in recovery. Things are going well. Although I was thinking about this day. You know how everyone was like, you're going to miss being pregnant. And I was like, who are these freaking crazy people? Mm-hmm. I can totally see how people would say that now. And not because I can't, like, I miss the physical sensation of being pregnant whatsoever. Like, obviously, no, I do not. But I can definitely see, I can already, I already feel nostalgic about being pregnant just in the sense that, like, you have everything ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very, like, you know, just an exciting thing to be completely on the front end of. Yeah. And it's only 10 days old, but I'm already like, I'm never going to get those 10 days back. And so it's, you know, like I can totally see, understand people saying like, oh, I just miss being pregnant just in the sense of like, you're really, everything is still so exciting and like, you don't know what's going to happen and you get to still meet this little person and, you know, like you have all these expectations. And I mean, also not to say that none of my expectations have been met because I have been blown away by how freaking easy this baby is so far. Yeah. And he's just so freaking cute. Oh, and everything's so cute. Different, but it's. Yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting. Well, we're so glad that you're healthy and recovering. We're getting there. Yep. And then someday I'm going to start CrossFit again. It's going to be great. Oh, I can't wait for that day for you too. (laughs) So we're going to get on to this episode. Claire and I recorded this episode, what, two months ago with Shane? It couldn't have been that long ago. Really? Okay. So we probably sometime in like late August, maybe September. Um, September for sure. Okay. Yeah, that's right, because it was after Hawaii. So we recorded this episode with Shane Farmer. It's a wonderful interview. Shane has such good information about rowing, and we get onto some tangents about marriage hacks. So we hope you enjoy it. He's and he is so so freaking cute. Yeah, he's. I feel like I've been saying so freaking cute a lot on this intro, but it's true. So he was great. He was great. So before we end, we want to plug Kalo, you guys, QALO.com, our sponsor, our wonderful sponsor. They have a new ring out. They do, and it's so cool. It they fancy thing about this ring what's the word they're calling it foxfire foxfire to me sounds very like hunger games mm-hmm. it's like what's the word i'm looking for photoluminescent Photo- uh, these are a all the band? big words it's like the cerulean yeah, a, cerulean a, a, cerulean <laughs> no these ones are not cerulean advanced no. photoluminescent technology um is what they're saying so it's it basically for lack of a better phrase it glows in the dark <laughs> It glows. And it is it is like a glow. The technology was developed for firefighters. Mm-hmm. And so it glows super, super bright for the first couple of minutes. It shines bright like a diamond. Yes. It, sh- it glows bright like a Like fire. a diamond. <laughs> <laughs> and so they say that like it glows really, really bright for the first couple of minutes. And because 
firefighters don't typically spend more than a couple minutes in like a burning building but then it stays it continues to glow, just like keep glowing after that it just is really bright for the first few minutes i love that they design things for badass people and yeah. you're like wow i get to wear rings that like firefighters and police officers and military wear that's what i always think i still think like man i get to wear what julie fouché is wearing. yeah that's true too that too the white one and, that julie fouché wears yes yeah mm-hmm. so the kalo um, foxfire rings yeah it comes in aqua and hazelwood mm-hmm. which i just i like the i just like the word hazelwood also mm-hmm. but aqua obviously is like a kind of lighter version of the camille teal and then the hazelwood is sort of like a beige so if you want to shine bright like a diamond get the foxfire right like a foxfire it really does like i feel like if i were in the hunger games that's what i would wear probably mm. Probably. I mean, if you think about it, if you're stranded in the woods and you need some light, you just and shine you your ring to the ground. To, I don't know if it's uh, bright. <laughs> <laughs> but it would make you look better. In Let's the not arena. make false claims. <laughs> but you would, in the arena, everyone would know. that Peter should have gotten one for Katniss. Oh. Ugh, man. That would solve everything. It would have solved everything. Mm-hmm. Peter had just gotten Katniss a fox ring. All right. So live out this fantasy, <laughs> you all. QALO.com. I'm getting like two hours of sleep at a time. <laughs> I love like, it. I'm like already like really into this narrative of PETA getting Katniss of Fox or Kayla Ray. <laughs> I love sleep deprived Claire. Fun time. All okay. right, you guys. So support the sponsor QALO.com. You can enter code GGW. That gets you 15% off your entire order. Support the podcast and support Kalo. And now on to the interview with Shane Farmer. Thanks, guys. You're listening to Girls Gone Wad. This is Joy. And this is Claire. This is episode 117. I didn't even look today, Claire. I'm so bad. I'm not even Because you're having a baby, I feel like every episode is just like, we don't know when we're going to air this. So this is an episode that you'll hear. In the future. In the future. Hello from the past. (laughs) Maybe Claire has a baby by the time you're listening to this one. That'd be great. So today we're so excited. We have Shane Farmer on the podcast. Hi, Shane. Welcome. Hi. Hi, guys. Hey, is this like the third guy that we have on the podcast? We don't have many males on the podcast. Wow. Ever? Yeah, like ever. I'm trying to think. Chris. Chris. TJ. I'm honored. Sam Dancer. Sam. Yeah, but shh, we might not have aired that one yet. But it's- <laughs> you can edit that part out if we haven't edit if we haven't aired that one yet. So Shane, you're in the elite club. Yes. Wow. I feel, feel even more elite now. But I don't. You, you should tell us how you feel after the show instead of like <laughs> wait to say that. Yeah. You're a coach and you are the owner and creator of Dark Horse Rowing. You have quite the resume. You ha- you've been an athlete all your life, correct? Yeah. What yeah, did you start I, with? Oh, man. I, like soccer, I think, when I was five. Uh, and I think I did a, a stint in Taekwondo for about uh, two months. But I just never never really left sport. I just kind of wandered from one thing to the next. And we can, sh- sh- should we add newly married guy to, yeah. Your, <laughs> yeah. to your list yes. of things? Newly married uh, May 10th. Ooh. So 5, 10, 15. There you go. That's when, easy to remember. And you yeah, just got back from your honeymoon, right? Just got back from my honeymoon. We did uh, South Africa, which was amazing. Two weeks there. Couldn't, oh, could so not funny. recommend it enough. So speaking of marriage, speaking we need to marriage, plug our yeah. sponsor before I get too far in the weeds already with Shane. I'm just like, I'm in the Shane Vortex. <laughs> taken off. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Well, I'm this like... episode has been brought to you by Kalo. Uh, <laughs> oh, Q-A-L-O, Kalo.com. You're so uh, good at this. Shane. Take it, take it away, guys. Take it away. Awesome. <laughs> like, and we, we understand you have your Kalo ring on right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm wearing it. I keep it in my, in my go bag. At all times. It always goes on my hand. It traveled with me to South Africa. So it's been all over the world now. So you guys, if you want to support the podcast, support Kalo. Like Shane channel said. your inner Shane Farmer because who doesn't <laughs> want to do that, really? It, 
It's tall and skinny, so go ahead and check <laughs> that. Q-A-L-O.com, Q-A-L-O.com, enter code G-G-W for 15% off your order. And you guys, really, if you enter code G-G-W, they know that we sent you, and then they love us, and then we love you, and it's just really, really a win-win a for everyone. It's a circle of love. Yeah. A, a Kalo ring of love, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much a marketing expert. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you guys for, again, for supporting the podcast and spread the word. All right, so Shane, were you a collegiate athlete? I was. I dabbled in a bunch of different sports in high school from uh, from baseball, track, football. I even slalom skied for seven years. Uh, I grew up in Minnesota, so. Yeah, and was... you had, you stayed in, or you were living in Colorado for some point, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I did a stint in Gunnison for two years, Western State College of Colorado. Wow. Heck yeah, Gunnison. Yeah. That's a cool yeah. town. Yeah. That was a unique experience. Um, beautiful <laughs> define, time, actually. Define unique. No. <laughs> it was a, an interesting time in my life. I was still figuring out who I was then, but it was a beautiful, beautiful place. In fact, to plug somebody else, Jenny LeBon actually was just traveling through there and uh, shot right. me a text message because she's doing her... The 500-mile run. Yeah, the 500-mile run right now for epilepsy. Epilepsy so. awareness, yeah. Yeah, she's doing incredible. Uh, if you get, if nobody else is following her, definitely check out what she's doing. And, and Marcus, her uh, her boyfriend, he's kind of tracking the whole thing. It's been really absolutely. Fun Do you know what day of the run she's on? I think oh. she started like September nineteenth or twentieth. I listened to an interview on Julie Fouché's podcast with her, and she was saying that she was doing like thirteen miles almost every day, and then some days yeah. she was running a marathon. I'm like, wow, she just decided to do it, and she wasn't really a runner. So. Yeah, uh, she just does that. <laughs> she just does she things does, like that. Yeah. Okay. So after Colorado. Okay. I'm sorry. No, uh, it's okay. So, yeah. So we are Colorado. all about the bunny trail on yeah. this podcast. So yeah. if you uh, haven't noticed already. <laughs> Delve down the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So after I left Colorado, I basically sold everything that didn't fit in my car and drove westward and found the University of San Diego, where I was thankfully accepted. Didn't actually know if I was going to be accepted. I just moved out here with the assumption that I would be. And then when I got to school, I thought I was going to play baseball and missed tryouts. And the coach turned me down for a tryout by myself and told me better luck next year. So I was kind of heartbroken at the time. But thankfully, the guy that was living across the hall from me at the time had been recruited to row. And he invited me to row. And um, I just found rowing out of nowhere. And for the first time in life, found something that clicked. And that was, I think, why I fell in love with the sport so quickly was because I'd always been a pretty mediocre athlete. And so finding rowing, all of a sudden, something just came naturally to me. And so then you were rowing... Rowed all four years. For, for college. San Diego. Yeah. yeah. We went from kind of a small, do-nothing team with no track record to the national championships my senior year. And I again, that probably contributes to why I fell in love with it, because we just had an amazing, scrappy team who committed to being something greater than what people told us we could be. And we... We stayed around for two straight summers. Was it like the Hoosiers of rowing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely. <laughs> what is I the mean, USD was... mascot? Just out of curiosity. UCSD? Was it UCSD or no, USD? USD? USD. Oh, okay. We're, we're the Toreros. Mm. Oh. Yeah, not right. to be confused with Gauchos or anything else. <laughs> the Toreros. Um, it's like a bullfighter, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's actually a pretty cool mascot. Yeah. I was just yeah. sitting here wondering, so, you know, why not? <laughs> I forget. I'm, he has a name, and I'm totally blanking on what it is right now. 
Yeah, and oh, so we just had this like this incredible team. We were just really scrappy. If you were to look at us, you wouldn't peg us as a national championship caliber team. And uh, we were lucky enough, and this kind of segues into my CrossFit story, but Stefan Roche, I don't know if you guys know who he is, but he is one of the OGs in the CrossFit world. Flowmaster, I'm not sure what his current role is, but... Uh, I, love the, was- I love the term Flowmaster. Right? That's that, it just Don't you want to put that on a business card? Yeah, totally. So bad. Like when someone first shirts. told me that someone was a flow master, I thought they were just kidding. I was like, oh, that's a cute name. Oh, they really are. <laughs> like, that's like a thing. That's really a thing. <laughs> it's it's kind of like my uh, my title with Concept 2, which I absolutely love, Master Instructor. Like, that's just a, I love that title. <laughs> it, it's so, you know, it means nothing, but it's just a fun title. Well, yeah. you, you should just say that and then like drop a mic. Master <laughs> Instructor. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of that's like... the seminar for the day. It's <laughs> been a pleasure, everybody. Thank you very much. You may now bask in my presence. <laughs> Uh, so Stefan Roche was our strength training coach at USD and he came in my sophomore year of college so we were introduced to CrossFit as our strength training program and that probably had a huge part in why we did so well and uh, we all would stay around during the summers we would get up earlier during the summers than we would during the school year so we would be up at about 4.30 in the morning all summer long we would all go to the rowing club here in San Diego and train with the masters and then as soon as we were done we would all grab like a granola bar and go back up to campus where we would crossfit for about an hour and a half and train till like nine o'clock so we were training from like five to nine every day all summer and then it just was magical our senior year we totally did what we said we were going to do congratulations and then did you just like immediately fall in love with crossfit yeah we all kind of did all of us now are still pretty active crossfitters and we've all kind of spread around the world and everybody's still we're all still very active which is cool you don't don't always see that with a lot of teams but everybody's in their own way still extremely active so going from that let's see so you were how how much were you rowing a day when you were in college training a lot yeah Uh, it just depends on the, the time of the season. In the fall, they take it a little bit easier on you. It's long-distance season, so you're putting in at least... You're, you're doing a 10K once a week, but you're also getting a lot of water time, working on a lot of aerobic base principles, which I don't 100% agree with now that I've coached in the CrossFit world. Well, that's what I was going to ask you next, so you know where I'm going with this. Like, <laughs> yeah. So how do you feel about that now, of kind of going from that extreme long workouts to now doing more sprinty stuff? But you can finish what you're saying. <laughs> well, it, it's a good transition, really. It's, you know, we in college, you just do what your coach tells you to do. Right. Um, and so you do aerobic base in the fall, you build steadily over the winter, and then come spring, you just hit sprints hard, and that's really all you do. Well, and uh, I mean, if you guys became the national champions, it apparently worked a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. you know the <laughs> thing that what we, it was kind of interesting. We we actually um, <laughs> are the year between junior and senior, or the summer between junior and senior year. A few of us actually rallied and went and had a talk with the uh, with the athletic director at the school and said, "Hey, listen, our our coach is not he's not being creative enough for us. He's not ma- working us hard enough. We need more out of him." And uh, <laughs> it kind of threw a, a wrench in the works. I don't know that I've ever told that story before, but we basically had our coach come in and we had to have like private meetings over the summer where we told him that we were expecting more out of our coach. 
over the next year because we were we were busting our asses and we were expecting him to kind of dig into his his toolbox and see what he could do to challenge us was that received well yeah how was that received (laughs) it was you know it was surprisingly received well by our coach he took it with a lot of humility and was actually very receptive to us it was six of us you know six of our in our incoming varsity senior athletes that all walked into that office and said we have we have a plan and we have a drive and a desire to be somewhere and what we saw last season was not what is not what will get us there in our in our opinions and we we want you to push us harder this year we want you to go dig into your notes find the things that maybe you haven't given to other crews because you weren't sure they could handle it and throw it our way and he he did it to his credit he he got us there what do you think it was that was missing in our opinion it was and my opinion was a little bit more rigid structure and asking basically never turning the clock off we needed to be on the clock 24 7 for an entire season which meant you know september to june and we felt he was taking it too easy on us and not asking our full potential every single practice so, so we just started in general not not forcing you to commit all the way right you know there were things like um so in rowing one of the one of the sayings is that ergs don't float and it's true you know a great erg score like it you know you pull a 2k on an erg and you can pull a score that's really impressive to look at, but it doesn't mean that you're going to be a good rower because rowing is such a technical on water movement. So on water, what makes thing what makes you a good athlete is uh, one, your ability to actually move the boat. So your ability to feel how the boat moves, because if you are heavy and clunky, you kill the momentum of the boat. And momentum is one of the big things to making a boat go fast. And the other is blade work. How efficient you are with a blade in your hands. Can you be crisp? Can you be fast? But also exact with the way that oar is supposed to enter the water, how you move it through the water that you don't tear, that you actually grab water and accelerate through it instead of ripping the oar blade through the water. And these are all the nuances of, of rowing. But for example, at the end of every piece on the water, he would just let us stop. And the coxswain would call way enough, which in rowing is the call for stop. And the coxswain would call way enough and the crews would stop. Well, we decided that if we were going to be a national championship caliber team, that we would need to have absolute control of the boat and our oars, which meant that it had to be totally stable at all times, that we had to have complete control of our oars, that we had to be so connected that I knew what every, what all the other eight people in that boat were thinking without having to hear them say a thing. And so we started implementing that at the end of every piece, instead of just dropping our oars to the water, we would do what's called flying it out. And flying it out is that you take your last stroke and then you put your handles down on the gunnel of the boat so that the oars are now flying in the air. And just to give you an idea of what that means, if you imagine a rowing shell, it's about six, uh, an eight-man an eight shell is about 60 feet long and maybe two feet wide. And it's a V-shaped hull. So now imagine that trying to balance with eight 200-pound males who, you know, men are, tend to not be very graceful, and one 120-pound female sitting in the coxswain seat. And that has to balance perfectly. Oh, my God. It can't tip for, to either side. And so what happens when you take the oars out of the water and put the handles down to the gunnels is you don't have any training wheels. You have to balance it perfectly because now your oar blades are in the air. It's actually kind of a cool sight to see. Yeah, I bet. I'm picturing this and I'm like, wow, this is all really, I feel like I'm getting a history lesson on rowing right now. It's making uh, me really appreciate it. I really keep waiting for them to try to put the teams at the CrossFit Games into yeah. an actual boat with, you know, like for an actual rowing I have been event. waiting for five years for them 
to do that. I, if you I'll, could put a good word for me, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah because so- <laughs> we have a direct line to Dave Castro. But um, it's more, but like, I, I think it would be carnage. I don't think. Oh, completely. It, they, it would turn you'd be the a, only one out there and you'd be like, <laughs> yeah. you'd be like yeah. there'd be like flames coming off the yeah. water. Yeah, and everyone would, else, it would be a shipwreck. And then like, be. you'd be sitting there being like, what the hell, guys? <laughs> we talked if about no, this. If nothing else, it would make for great TV because you would just see <laughs> boats flipping and oars clashing and it would make for very interesting viewing. Oh, yeah. I don't know that they would go anywhere. You'd have to make it a really short race. <laughs> yeah. But it would be so interesting to watch. You'd all, you, they also wouldn't be able to do it at the beach. I guess they could. They do have ocean-going shelves, but most of the time rowing is done on flat water. At that point, you probably should just do it in a pool. Yeah, right? <laughs> You could like your first score would just be how long it took you to get everybody into the boat without tipping it over. Yeah, that would be amazing. I would totally pay to watch that. Yeah, it would. Uh, I I keep I, my fingers are crossed. It would be really fun to see some of the more interesting things that rowing involves. But it all co- also comes back to the whole. Yeah, I wish I could say that rowing was the most important thing in CrossFit, but it's far from it. So I think they'll probably stick with just the erg. Do you plan to to compete again at the games? No. No. no my my competition career is. I think. Uh, drawn to a close unfortunately after my after the 2012 season so i competed 2010 11 12 and 13 after 2012 games uh, i was working with a chiropractor here in san diego who i as a as a coach and i i'm sure most coaches would probably agree with this you expect that your clients will place their trust and their faith in you to know what is best for them and to find out what is best for them and you work within that capacity you know once you understand who your clients are you don't program things that are going to get them hurt or put them in a bad situation and so i do that with healers uh, you know massage therapists acupuncturists psychologists mindset specialists anybody that i've ever worked with i always put my trust in them i was working with a chiropractor and he was unfortunately a not a good one and uh he blew out my back in the immediate off season after the 2012 games oh no yeah and uh i never actually got (laughs) an mri until this year uh because i was i figured it wasn't going to change the way i dealt with it because i wasn't going to go under the knife and so i found out i have two fully degenerated discs and one pretty moderately degenerated disc thanks to Thanks to him. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so the 2012. Did you go knife his tires or something? No. (laughs) It was. Those thoughts certainly ran through my head though. It was, you know, it was a, it was a painful, it was about six months. I didn't touch a barbell from like August, maybe not quite six months, but basically August to January. I didn't touch a barbell uh, and somehow spun it back up to get ready for the 2013 open. And then I have no idea how, but my body held up through the 2013 season, made it back to games. But the whole time I'd been telling myself if I was, I was literally having this conversation with my back and going back, stick with me, give me one more season. That's all I ask. If you give me one more season, I promise once the games are done, I will listen to you. I will take a giant step back and we will figure this out together. And um, thankfully it got me through the 2013 games and then post games, I was like, all right, I, I took it easy and then kind of tried to spin back up for the open. And I, it just, 
didn't it wasn't working right and so I took 2013 off kind of begrudgingly and then this year was kind of the first year I was like or 2014 sorry and then this year I just kind of went you know what I, I made a promise to my back it's time that I fulfill that promise yeah and are you okay with that I am now That's... it took some time I bet. But, I can't imagine. You know, the great part is, though, it uh, it kind of clarified a lot of things in my life. It helped me, it helped bring balance to my life. You know, my wife now, uh, we we basically got married on around about our, our four-year anniversary uh, being together. And for the first two and a half, three years, she just kind of rode second fiddle to CrossFit in my competing and coaching. Right. And she was very gracious about it. She never fought me on it. She was 100% supportive. She was at everything ever that I competed at and was elbowing women left and right to make sure she had a spot at the fence and was in my line of sight. And well, let's be she- honest. They were probably one of your autograph too. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just, it was ama- she was amazing. She was so incredible. And I, I think during that time, I kind of was really selfish as you have to be when you compete. No, I shouldn't say you have to be. You know, there are women like uh, people like Val Vobrel who just is an incredible role model. Yeah. And shows you that it can be done, that you don't have to give up everything to be a competitive athlete. Right. But unfortunately, I, you know, I kind of took it all for granted. You know, it helped me to plan proposing to her and it helped me to make sure that my career was on the track that I wanted it to be on. And it's allowed me to focus on my professional development more. That's pretty intense. That is really intense. So then as you, when did you start dark horse throwing kind of like within all of that, you know, between... The- the injury and the competing and the kind of like trying to figure out what was next for you. Dark Horse is actually a relatively new opening for me. July is what oh, wow. right before the games. I spun it up so that it was ready on the weekend of games and I just used it as kind of a soft launch where I was just talking to, everybody knows when you go to games it's just one giant social connection. Right, it's crossing Disneyland. Yeah, totally. You're just seeing everybody you know, you're palling around, you're walking through Vendor Village, shaking hands, you know, shaking babies, kissing hands, things like that. <laughs> And uh, and so I just was wait talking. Wait a to minute! Yeah. <laughs> All the listeners are saying, "Wait, <laughs> do not let this guy around your baby." <laughs> and uh, so that was just kind of the the launch of it. There, soft. I I didn't. I still haven't made a real big push. We're still working on some of the design stuff, but as far as the functioning part, the program and the coaching, it's there. So, what's the mission? What is the? What do you hope to to have with this? So, here's the thing, right? I coach the seminars for CrossFit. I coach the CrossFit Rowing seminars. One of three coaches, and I I think the one thing that has always that I've always had struggle with is that once we leave the seminars, the continuing education part is harder. You know, to for somebody to continue to practice because we give so much incredible knowledge but it's in a nine hour period that sometimes it's hard to remember everything that you take away from that course so my mission behind it is to a provide coaching on a consistent basis so with every workout you get about 15 minutes of drill work that's meant to just reinforce good movement patterns and and good habits and I developed a whole video library behind it so that uh, all of the points performance so whenever I program a simple drill I don't just say do this drill it's there's a drill, there's a video, and the points performance for you to use as a warm-up. So 15 minutes of warm-up, and then you get 45 minutes of workout. So it's consistent movement practice, and it's and consistent with how you might structure like a wad in a CrossFit gym. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's very methodical. It also happens to help build towards uh, an improved 2K. So it's the program's called 2K Monsters, and it's it, so it simultaneously develops your uh, a faster 2K. We actually just had one of the first people to sign up made it through the first eight weeks of it, and uh, she just dropped six seconds off of her split for her 2K. So that's 
24 seconds that she shaved off of her 2K time over an eight-week period. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. So that's the, that's the mission, really. I just wanted to create a place for people to go so that they can continue to work on the movement uh, once they've, if they, if anybody wants to work on moving better on the rowing machine. That's kind of the, the mission. Yeah, and I feel like so much emphasis, especially as a level one, when I'm, you know, I have like maybe four or five rowing cues in my toolbox. And that I think feel like is even more than the average L1 just because I have, you know, we've taught like, row, I am fascinated by rowing and I try to pick up as many little cues and tips as I can. But, you know, it's like uh, there's a certain point with your athletes where you're just like, well, just go faster, I guess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's like the emphasis is more on your speed and rather than like how you're getting there yeah you know it's like i wish like I everybody s- would flip their boat i wish it was a requirement that anybody that took a level one had to also take all the crossfit specialty seminars oh my because, gosh that'd be amazing oh and, so uh, amazing and right? it would cost a million dollars <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's yeah, really the root of the problem the <laughs> yeah can i get like a punch card <laughs> <laughs> My fifth one is free. Right, exactly. But that, you know, I just wish I could get my hands on every single coach that's out there in the CrossFit community and bring them into the CrossFit rowing seminar because there's so much to learn and we the consistent feedback at the end of that seminar is, oh, I had no idea there was so much to learn about this, but I am so happy that I did this because even if you take just one thing away from any of the specialty courses, I've done... Uh, uh, the kettlebell course and blanking on what else maybe just the kettlebell course but either way like you take even one thing away and that's a valuable course and so uh, you know i just i wish we could get more people into the seminar i wish yeah, i was, valued that seminar. i was listening like one example right one example i listened to the wadcast interview that you were on with uh, and armin really <laughs> was like freaking out about the damper setting yeah because he's like i've been coaching this wrong the entire <laughs> like my entire life yeah. and can you explain what it was that he had wrong and like what most of us have wrong can we just throw Armin under the bus? Yeah, let's throw Armin. I mean, <laughs> we all have it wrong. Let's be kidding. I'm just kidding. He and wouldn't so, mind. He, he wouldn't mind. He's not listening, no, so. No, yeah. no. Let's, let's throw Armin under the bus. <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, it's funny you say that. Actually, I am just on my second draft. I'm I'm writing an actual article on damper setting and drag factor and trying to clarify it because it is such a such an oft missed explanation for coaches. And uh, I'm I'm still working on distilling down how to do this in like a hundred words or less. But I know. I think you could probably do an entire episode on just the damper. <laughs> I know. Okay, so let me try and do this. Let's try and do this. All okay. Right. So most people assume that if you're strong, you wrote a ten because it's heavy and. Then that somebody who didn't have as much strength would want wouldn't want to row at that heavy setting that basically it would be like asking them to squat with a barbell that was too heavy for them and vice versa right so heavy a strong person is not or a heavy person is not going to use a light damper setting because i don't know i, I guess you could say beneath them right right right, right. um and it's actually quite the inverse. So if we took two athletes, uh, fast twitch and a slow twitch athlete, so let's say a sprinter and, and an endurance runner, an ultra marathoner, right? Sprinter, going to have a lot of access to fast twitch capability, ultra marathoner, slow twitch, and not going to be as comfortable with firing, whereas sprinter is going to be a lot less comfortable just going for long distances and being like smooth about it. And so what we're actually talking about when it comes to damper setting is that when the damper is high, there's a lot of air, which means that the flywheel is heavy and slows down quickly. When it's low, there's very little air, so it spins up 
fast, continues spinning, and doesn't really slow down easily. So if we were to take those two athletes and place them on machines side by side, the sprinter is going to feel much more comfortable at a lower damper setting because they have access to that fast twitch. What that means is that because the flywheel spins up quickly and continues spinning, they can catch up to the speed of the flywheel very easily, and they can find a way to apply force and tension to that handle, and that's what really drives the flywheel. The endurance runner, on the other hand, who's going to not have access to that fast switch, is going to be much more comfortable finding tension with a high damper setting because it's so slow and heavy. It's actually going to allow them to find engagement and to press into it. Because if you were to ask a, an endurance runner to sprint 100 meters, they're going to be extremely uncomfortable doing that. But like I said, <laughs> my article has started out as eight pages long. <laughs> And we edited it last night, and I'm trying to cut at least a page out of it. But hopefully you guys can be one of the first ones to take a look at it once it's done. No, I think that's really important. And I think just kind of going off of what we were talking about earlier, of if we wish all coaches could take the CrossFit rowing seminar. Is yeah. there anything else, kind of just a quick summary, what is covered in the seminars and what's really important to you that coaches know? And or what do you feel like is the biggest thing that you get when people are like, oh my gosh, this one thing I'm really going to take back to my gym. That is one's there hard. one thing that stands out? That one's hard. <laughs> I, I always like to say uh, do you guys know what the quick release is? Yes. Yeah. So I was like, I give I give away the quick release at like the beginning of the course. I always teach that one. So and that one's a, always a mind blower. Yeah, and that's a vid. You have a video of that on your Instagram, I believe. Yeah. Um, and we can link to that for the listeners, so you guys know what we're talking about. You can explain that. Yeah, it's it's very easy. I mean, it's just simply limiting the amount of time it takes you to transition on and off the machine. And so I always laugh because you know at the end of the day, people come up and you know we will we'll talk about to I guess to address both questions over the day we talk about um, mechanics, drill work, developing your coaching eye, how to apply drill work to common errors that we see. We go through a couple different workouts, programming gets discussed, we talk about maintenance on the machine, how to keep it up. We start obviously with basics of movement and then we also talk about like applied biomechanics to the machine because understanding how you interact with the machine can have a big impact on the way people move if they perceive what the ideal body would be doing on that machine. So anyways, that's what we cover, right? It's pretty in-depth and we end up rowing about 20,000 meters in a one-day course. Yeah, which don't shy away from that. Those of you that are listening, don't shy away <laughs> from 20,000 meters. It's really not that bad when you're doing it stop starts and getting right on over nine machine. hours. Right, over nine hours. It's really nothing. So um, really quickly, what's your official stance on the handle? Where does it, where do you store the handle? Right. In the little, in like the <laughs> yeah. girdle or in like... stand with the handle? Yeah, because <laughs> this really is a important. polarizing issue. Don't. Don't stand on the handle. Well, that would be, if you could stand on the handle, then I would be impressed, actually. Uh, uh, no, so I store it in, not in the little catch. I store it actually against the cage. Okay. Uh, because it can prematurely stretch out the bungee that's underneath. Yes, I'm doing it right. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. I'm proud of you. It's a polarizing issue. I have, like, told people, like, oh, you need to put your handle away. And they're like, it, it's, it, that's where it goes. Why would you not? Like, people are like, why do you even have this little handle holder if that's not where it goes? It's like, true. I see your point. However, <laughs> you're still wrong. <laughs> Listen, don't argue with yeah, me. exactly. <laughs> Just listen to what I'm saying. Who has the $1,000 CrossFit t-shirt? Me or you? <laughs> That's what I thought. I've never heard that one. I'm gonna have to remember that one. <laughs> oh, totally! I have the thousand dollar. Yeah, yeah, like thousand dollar T-shirt. I got my level one, and the first thing my coach said when I walked into the gym, he's like, "You got your thousand dollar T-shirt." <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, okay, so anything else that's really important to know about what's covered in the seminar? No, I mean, that's, you know, I, I kind of ran through it quickly, because it, it's just, it's such a, we like to give you as much as we can, and we want you guys, you know, we want you, when you take the course, to, my objective in coaching, and this is in everything that I do, whether it's the CrossFit rowing course, or dark horse rowing, or, you know, running a rowing club, is never to try and convert anybody into being a rower because that's not what matters, right? It doesn't matter whether or not you want to be a rower. We're all CrossFitters, right? So all we need to learn are the necessary components of rowing for the functionality of CrossFit, right? We're learning rowing for CrossFit's sake, not rowing for rowing's sake. So I guess that's, I think a lot of people come into it expecting me to, you know, try and convert people into rowers and preach the word of rowing and why rowing is all important <laughs> and why you have to pay attention to it. But honestly, you will very rarely win a workout with rowing, but you can lose it if you don't know how to use the machine properly. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the basis on which I operate. I'm not trying to teach you to be a rower. I am just trying to make you the most efficient mover on the machine as possible so that you can effectively use it in your workouts. That's what I care about. And are you mostly doing CrossFit these days or are you doing other stuff? I'm actually doing, uh, I guess this will be a shout out, but I'm actually doing Logan Gelbrick's program, the Deuce Strongman 202 program on Train Heroic. I, you know, when I when I stopped competing, I was I kind of wandered for a while, and I felt like I didn't really have much purpose as far as competitive exercising goes. And I first turned to gymnastics, so I did the gymnastic bodies program for about nine months and enjoyed it. Found a lot of good stuff out of it, and it definitely had some positive aspects for my body. I just got really tired of training by myself in the back corner of a gym and having to invent machines for pulling off the stuff I was supposed to be doing. Is that so. how you got the abs or is just rowing or do you just have abs because you have abs? Like, I you know, know, so it's ridiculous. This is okay. So, so in high school, the two men listening would like to know, yeah. <laughs> how do you get man abs? I want to know who those men are. I want to like know my husband. <laughs> I want to know just because you, you anyway, I'm just because Joy likes your abs. Claire, Claire gets mad at me when I comment on our guest bodies. It's awkward. I'm, I'm very not, impressed. It's very, it's a beautiful we can talk thing. About it. It's okay. It's an open thing. Here. Yeah. We're I mean, We're all the fans. man wore speedo on Instagram. All, that's all I'm going to say. It's like, he's, I think he's pretty comfortable. <laughs> uh, you know, I was actually having, I was just traveling with Sam Dancer and we were talking about how he, um, he has had, what's the swimsuit company? Savage Swim? Savage Swim, yeah. I was like, he Speedo? Had, <laughs> no, he had, he had Savage Swimwear make him a Speedo. Of and course. I, I'm going to. I think I'm going to try and see if you I can You have to. Oh, my gosh. That would be I, amazing. So, Savage Swimmer, if you're listening, I'm, I'm in. I'll yep, definitely. He's in, and he will make it. your stuff look good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. you got to yeah. get the uh, leopard print, though, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, hey, I'm, I'm a, I kind of like color blocking right now. Okay. But I'm oh. to anything. I bet uh, you could get, like, a color block with an accent of maybe, like, the color block in the front and the leopard in the back. You know, they're all about mix yeah, and match. That's anyway. true. I, I'm open to anything. I'll try anything twice. So, no, you know, I, I don't know really where they came from. I partially credit it to in high school when I was a lot skinnier and just tall and skinny. I decided I wanted abs at, like, the age of 14. And so I started, I just made up a crunch routine. And so every day for, I think, two years, I had a thousand crunch routine that I would do. Like Britney Spears. Day. I, yeah. Clearly, she that's does. what you were thinking mark? when you were yeah. a 14-year-old boy. You were like, how can I be more like Britney Spears? <laughs> 
I'm just saying she had a she had a program like that where she just did like a thousand sit-ups a day and everyone was like can I have abs like Britney Spears yeah you know I can't like as a coach now I look at it I'm like I don't understand if that's how it happened or not I just I that's what I attribute it to or maybe it's just like genetics because people ask I have really large shoulders and so everyone's always like how do I get your shoulders I'm like I don't know I just I just 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 be my dad's daughter I was born with with these bad boys yeah they were yeah (laughs) that is so now the shoulder thing with the ab thing is so the difference between men and women because you're like i don't know where they came from and women are like <laughs> every listener right now is like damn you because yeah. <laughs> no woman on the faceless planet who has a six-pack is like i don't know how these got there <laughs> i well to be fair i do i do eat clean i mean i have for a long time at, you know within there my you first, go. yeah yeah within my first year of coaching i went uh, you know i did the strict paleo thing i think like a lot of us did pretty early on uh, and did that for about two years and now I've kind of reintroduced uh, grains back into my diet but I still I try Amen. and I just try and eat as many vegetables as possible and you know I've never seen anybody eat too many vegetables and be out of shape but do so, you like the PR donut thing the PR donut I've never done you've never heard that before where like people after they get a PR they go eat donuts or something it's just, like became a thing I don't know how it became a thing no I can't say I've you got didn't. Into it. okay well that's fine because we just yeah. talked to Sarah Pierce a couple weeks ago on this podcast and she's like I don't know where that came from and she's a nutritionist coach and so she's like people need to stop (laughs) that trend make it stop yeah totally yeah Yeah. no I just uh I guess ice cream is the one thing that I've always enjoyed so but how do you feel about ice cream sandwiches how do I feel about them I think and did you go to the the cart at the games that had the most amazing sandwiches Mm. ever you know I did last year not this year Oh man, that was like the best thing. So I'm, as we alluded to earlier, I'm like 38 weeks pregnant right now. And so at the games, I was 27 or 28 weeks pregnant. And I had one of those every day and it was the best thing. They were so good. It was so amazing. (laughs) Between that and and lifting up my shirt and standing in front of the big ass fan with a mister and having everyone just like part the Red Sea so that I could stand there. Yeah. Those were my two favorite things. They're like, we have a pregnant woman here. Did you get, I feel like you should have had a photo of you with your belly showing ice cream sandwich in In hand hand. being like sprayed by mist with the big ass fan behind that would have, you. That, that would have been, been why really, didn't I do that? I'm such like, a that bad would have been friend. An epic shot. That, of, that would have been a super oh, accurate description of what I did of that entire. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those big ass fans were beautiful, and Claire just walked like the one day. I, one day, Claire just made a poor wardrobe choice and wore like a really wearing, like, tight T-shirt, yeah, a tight and t-shirt. she was like, "I just need this off oh. of me." <laughs> we went over to the Kalo tent. We're like, "We need a tank top right now." So we need tank top stat. But I was spending so much time just. Those yeah, she would just lift up her shirt and stand in front and of the fan. And everyone would kind of so like great. look at me like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look at me as ice cream is melting down your face. <laughs> oh, those sandwiches. Don't look at me. I'm hideous. Okay, so Shane, you... <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do you've had a lot of coaches over your career what's the most influential thing you've learned or a few things you've learned yeah that just got a serious didn't it that yeah just like really, really yeah, came really out us. In a new well i mean <laughs> i know that you and let me kind of back From up a ice little. cream sandwiches to really serious <laughs> coaching but questions. maybe it's about the ice cream sandwiches maybe they were know. like maybe they taught you how to sandwiches. Yeah. eat ice cream now we're getting deep too <laughs> But I know a lot of what you've talked about, too, is the mental game. Yeah. And so I guess I'm looking for an answer around that, too, of how coaches have helped you with that. I'm really interested in the term mindset coach that you said earlier. I never heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So I've worked with a lot of really amazing people. And I like healer is one of my favorite terms because a true healer uh, is somebody who, in my opinion, is somebody who was 
born to do what they're doing, whether it's what <clears throat> you know they're going to do for the rest of their lives or not. It's like what they're doing in this moment is they, they couldn't be doing it any better. Um, and I've come across a few people like that. And two of the most influential have been people that I've worked with on mindset. One of those is Heidi Furon, uh, now Heidi, Heidi Baker, but she's based out of here in San Diego and she worked with us for the team forever. She's also an acupuncturist. She's also a really great friend. And she was also a an Olympic trials swimmer. And she, from a mindset coach standpoint, is just one of the most amazing people that I've ever worked with, especially when it comes to sport. So if we're talking mindset coach, she's just amazing. She is intuitive. She feels out what it is that you're really trying to talk about, what you're trying to tap into because often I feel a lot of us have things going on inside that we can't put words to and instead of trying to delve into them and explore what's happening too often we simply close it off under the guise of I don't understand it and I don't care to understand it because it would make me vulnerable to do that. So how, how do you think a mindset coach is different from a therapist? Because I think I feel like what you're describing to me sounds... This is what I do every day. No. Yeah, Joy is <laughs> a therapist. <laughs> but I mean, like, I you know, is it just more specific based on your sport? Or is it kind of just like a different, a slightly different approach kind of to a similar end goal? I, I don't think it is... I don't think it's clearly defined. And now, mind you, when I say mindset coach, it's simply my definition. Because I've also, you know, I've worked with therapists who have done like meditation work with me. And I've done sound meditation and done some really, really cool exploratory stuff like within my own mind and soul and and tapped into that. And so I I use Mindset Coach as kind of a broad definition as somebody who is somebody who helps you to really tap into what's happening inside. And so I don't know that I do define a difference um, between a therapist or, you know, Heidi is is not a, a, a therapist per se. She's an acupuncturist. She's a massage therapist. But I think a mindset coaches can be anybody anybody who has the ability to help you work through anything really you know if you if you're willing to make yourself vulnerable to them and so i I guess to kind of bring it back to the coaching component i think there's a lot of really good mindset work to be done for athletes and a lot of athletes aren't willing to go there because they just it's the you know beat the drum train harder push harder you know there are no excuses that that kind of mindset and i think there's a lot to be said for athletes who mentally prepare for their endeavors whether they're a crossfitter whether they are a skier whether they're a paralympic athlete in their chosen sport can i just venture to guess that you and sam dancer sat together in speedos and talked about this in in extreme depth (laughs) yeah totally We, we we definitely would, we and we we have had some some great conversations. Did he and paint that, your nails? No, he didn't. He didn't. And I just yeah. say that because we we were just talking to Sam yeah. last week, and he was saying saying some very similar things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's well, you know, I I really am in a space now where I try to put myself around people who I feel have a similar approach to life that. I am looking for at this moment in time. I think, you know, that's what we're all trying to do, right? You, you're you on these same wavelengths and people that aren't on your same wavelength, you just kind of tend to let them move aside and you keep moving until you find somebody else who does gel with your wavelength and then you tend to stick together yeah. for whatever reason. And it doesn't mean that you guys become best friends. You know, that's that term doesn't really apply here. It simply means that you guys can have a connecting of the minds. And I very much 
value that and I very much am in tune or try to be in tune with that. I can't say that I am. I'm trying always. And where are you coaching now? I am really just, I occasionally, uh, I have my rowing club at Invictus on Tuesday nights, but mostly it's the CrossFit rowing seminars and our course is where I'm putting uh, a lot of my work into right now because I just, I see this need. I see a need for people to be able to work on, work on their rowing consistently without being inundated by it. Right. I, I write the program so it's two days a week because Lord knows nobody wants to row more than twice a week. And I, you know, I certainly don't. I would get bored. And so the way I wrote it is that the, the Dark Horse program, the 2K Monsters program, can simply be a supplement to any CrossFit program out there. One of the workouts is designed to be a really good rest day workout. And then the other workout would simply be in, in addition to um, one other workout that you have that week. So that's where my, my emphasis is going. And that's darkhorserowing.com. You got it. Right. Dark Horse yeah. And then is that like a program that you buy? Is it you do you just sort of like put up workouts every day? Is that Yeah, so it's uh it's an online uh, paid program, but I made it as reasonable as possible because I want everybody to be able to take advantage of it. And so it's 15 bucks a month. I mean, I make it. I'm totally signing my husband up for this. He's like a rowing. He, he's all tall and lanky and he's always like, I'm never going to get good at Olympic lifting. I'm like, there are other things for you out there (laughs) with your ape index. (laughs) Yeah, do it. I mean, it's, that's what it, you know, it's there. It's there to be accessible while at the same time allowing me to be able to continue doing it. Which is why, you know, I, it, I had to be, I had to charge something for it. We have a very important question. Is Lauren Fisher's ponytail as amazing as in person? You know, as amazing I, in person, in as, person it is, as it is. Instagram. Yeah, on Instagram. I can pick it up what you're putting down. Thank you. I have this, this funny thing wherever, uh, whenever I'm around and Lauren's doing GHD sit-ups, I always put my hand right at the tip of her ponytail. And it's like, it sounds like the crack of a whip whenever it's my hand <laughs> as she's coming up. I don't know if you ever watched GHD sit up, but the thing just has like a oh, life yeah. of its own as she does that. So we, no, it's, I mean, it's pretty. It's we've pretty spent a not insignificant amount of time wondering how her hair tie doesn't fall out. Yeah. We talked about that I mean, a she lot. has thick hair, but I, you'd probably have to ask Rasmus. He's probably a better, uh, a better. <laughs> Who has the coolest name ever, by the way? Right. Right. Rasmus. We like really considered naming our child Rasmus until we realized <laughs> that like we have no like Scandinavian roots. <laughs> whatsoever you, it'd be almost as like almost as odd as we knew i could like joaquin or something I'd be like your child is is very pale <laughs> why are you so white <laughs> oh my god you can't just ask why they're white if your name is joaquin why Sorry, are you white Shane, we, we just went on a mean girls tangent that was just that's what we got one in we got yeah, one in we, we might did. as well talk about marriage hacks while we're on it that was good. Do you have any marriage hacks? We talk about marriage hacks all the time. Like since you just got married, or uh-huh. wait, no, you had when you did you May? May. Yeah. Know why I keep five ten one five? I'm gonna. I know, but I just the four year thing got me. It was four years ago that you met. Oh. You got married on your okay. Get this too, by the way. Sorry, I'll throw this in there. So I'm terrible with dates, uh, but good with words. And my wife's the opposite. She's she's great with dates, not as great with words. Yeah. So pre-wedding, I said, I want you to engrave something on the inside of my ring, and I don't want to know what it is. I want to find out when I actually get to put the ring on. And so I, like, waited, and I was so excited to see what was going to be on the inside of the ring. And I looked at it after the wedding, and she had engraved the date we met, the date we got engaged, and the date we got married on the inside of the ring, so I'd never forget the dates. It was the most amazing surprise I've ever received. That is so genius. That is very genius. Did you engrave hers? This No. No. no she didn't ask for one. Okay. She didn't ask for you just her, her, her ring was also pretty slim, so I don't think there was yeah, really much true. space. To a lot of bling. Engrave. A lot of bling. <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> I, did, I did the best that I could. <laughs> um, so we joke about, like, marriage hacks of, like, 
for instance, when I come home, I need like five minutes to like recoup from my day. And so then my husband's really chatty because he want, he works at home. And so he wants to talk to me, but I need like, I've been hearing patients talk about stuff. I'm a therapist. So I need like five minutes to unwind when I come home, but he wants to chat. So I go hide in the bathroom. Like I just pretend like <laughs> so that's our marriage hack. And then like Claire's marriage hack. Is, what is your marriage hack with Brandon? I have so many. There's a lot. Do you have any marriage hacks where you like, you have to like get, you have to, it's like, just to uh, get like by with marriage. That I, like that I word things. But you're a newlywed, so you may be like... I don't know. I feel like I had marriage hacks before I got married. Yeah. Yeah, you, you develop them just yeah. by, you know, living together and being yeah. around each other. But That's, you know, It's funny what you say about coming home, because I work from home, obviously. Yeah. And she's an attorney, and so she's also dealing with other people's problems. Oh, all day yeah. Long. Yeah. And so we have the exact same thing. When she comes home, it's like, hi, and then I just wait until she comes to talk to me, because Smart. I know she needs her time. Smart man. Can you talk to my husband? <laughs> I, but there, I'm definitely, I'm sitting there like bursting yeah. with conversation. <laughs> it's just, I can't let it out until she comes to address me. Yeah. That's so but, funny. Okay. Good marriage hacks. Let's see. But they're like just funny like tricks that you kind of do to because you know your partner so well. It's kind of yeah. like that. Like mine typically have to do with wording, like how yeah. I, how oh, I yeah. say things. So like if Brandon <laughs> like leaves something out, my, I'll be like, so what's our plan for this? Yeah. As opposed <laughs> what to like, we as opposed to like, what the hell is this still doing on the table? Yeah. It's like, like what, are we, what are doing? we doing with this? Yeah. Or like, we recently moved and as I was unpacking, I was like cleaning out a bunch of stuff and I came up, you know, I like had to come up with a certain way to basically tell him like, we need to throw this shit away yeah. without <laughs> saying, coming right out and saying that <laughs> being like, we've now moved with your bullshit four times and you've never opened it once. Yeah. And I mean, oh. you can't say that. Yeah. What was Here. your, you had a, you had a oh. trick for that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was go saying, ahead. I'm ready to get rid of this. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, it was. I'm ready to throw this away. What do you think? Yeah. I'm ready to throw it away. What about you? What do you yeah. think? What do you yeah. think? It's like a nice, okay. yeah, go. Do you? Do you and your husband's are you guys readers or like will your husband's read? Yes, totally. Really, yeah. I have got a book that is going to change your life, and life changing is actually in the title, so it's amazing. Um, And it changed mine, but the funny story behind it. Anyways, book's called the life changing the life changing magic of tidying up. Oh, I've heard of this. It's like the Japanese lady, right? Yes. And so I got I got really hot on this book, and my wife will attest that. I tend to get, like, when I get excited about things, like a project, if I want to build something, I just, like, start without any thought about how long it's going to take or preparing for it or bringing her into the loop. I'm just off to the races <laughs> and running. And so I ordered this book. <laughs> I, like, mentioned it to her one day. The book comes in the mail three days later. I read the entire book cover to cover in two days and then proceed to spend the next, like, four weeks putting it all into play. In the first... In the first session of clean out, I got rid of 15 bags, trash bags, 13 gallon trash bags of clothing. Oh my Just God. clothing. I don't even own that much clothing. <laughs> well, I'm I, in the minority, it, though, I, I understand. Yeah, I, I, don't I also like person. style. And so, uh, you know, and I, when you've also been to the games four times, you get a lot yeah, of. Yeah, I was going to say, let's be honest. And, how many of those bags were literally just CrossFit t shirts? Right. Oh, a lot. Yeah. But I also got rid of a lot of other clothes, too. I think I got rid of like. 15 pairs of shoes. It was insane. Um, Sounds like my husband. Yeah, you really should talk to Scott. <laughs> yeah. but I'm telling you, this book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Isn't it all about like how I'm having Googling your... Right yeah, now. I've heard I, I've heard bloggers talk about this. It's all... Or I've read about it, I guess. Where it's all about like how to, how it'll streamline your life and basically just like make you an overall less stressed out person if Completely. your spaces are yeah. more organized and, it, and less cluttered. The, 
the basis of it, like how you decide to, to get rid of something or keep it, is simply based on nothing else. You, you can't think about anything else other than whether or not that single item, and you have to make this decision while you're holding it in your hands, touching it, feeling it, looking at it, whether or not that item brings joy to your life. That's and excellent. If it, we and should if do that with everything in our lives. It goes. Yeah, like, right? That's, we should, that's how we should like make friends too. Be like, <laughs> right. do you bring joy to my life? No, then I'm not calling you back. Yeah, they yeah. should have that for Facebook. They totally should have that for Facebook. Yeah. Does this yeah. person bring joy to my life? Then why the hell am I friends with them on yeah. Facebook? And why do I put up with all their weird shit that they post? Yeah, yeah. totally. I've, Every I've time been, you see something on the feed, you're like, nope. I've been doing a Facebook like clean out as well. Like once I finish that, yeah, it, totally. I get onto Facebook and I'm like, I don't, nope. I don't need to see what you're posting. Like you are not making me happy. I'm just blind, you know, I'm mindlessly scanning through Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just friends with you because I think your life is a train wreck and I want to watch it happen. <laughs> Let's be honest, the we all have a couple of those Facebook friends. <laughs> yeah, makes us feel better about ourselves. <laughs> like the reality tv of facebook except it's like someone you went to high school with uh yeah no that so anyways i you know i she begrudgingly got on board once i had like cleaned out half of my stuff once she had no choice right right right. (laughs) but once like i had every book in the house sitting on the floor in the middle of the living room she's like what all right okay just let me read the book and catch up please she's like where did our table go why do we have no cups (laughs) exactly Exactly. All the forks I just found very stabby. They did not bring me joy. <laughs> I don't like sharp objects, yeah. so we're going to have to just eat with spoons. <laughs> and cook with spoons. So welcome to our new life. <laughs> Only soup. And like cantaloupe. Oh, and what I, can you even oh, and like? I sold the house. We're going yeah. to be living in a tiny home. Yeah, and I tore out all the grass because grass is itchy. <laughs> and I tried to hold it and I got Have you ever seen Into the Wild? Yeah, yes. that's what we were going for. <laughs> So pick your new name now. <laughs> we're leaving society. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, now we're slap happy because it's a Friday afternoon and we need to get going. Oh, Shane, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Oh, this is and blast. informative. Oh, good. Yeah. So again, everyone can find you at darkhorserowing.com. Anywhere else that you are available, Instagram, you're at Shane Farmer, right? Yeah, same with Twitter. I think Facebook, I'm the Shane Farmer because Shane Farmer was taken. Oh, dang it. Uh, but I have shanefarmer.com, so we got that covered. So joke's on him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Take that, Shane Farmer. <laughs> All right. You guys out there, listeners, remember to support the podcast, support Kalo, Q-A-L-O.com, enter code GGW for your discount, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys.